way. Season two. Season two. Oh, so excited. So excited to be back. Uh, We are ready, ready, ready for season two. We have a lot to talk to you guys about um, and a lot to tell you guys. Um, And we've changed up some things a little. So we're going to talk about that a little um, once we get into the show. But welcome to Too Legit to QT with Koya and Tish, where you can get it done with Tish. And better come up with Koya. Yeah, all the time. All the time. All day, every day, playing all game. (laughs) So, So, go ahead, ahead. Yeah, last season, last season, we talked about uh, creating your own opportunities during COVID. We talked about racial injustice. We had some really cool, fascinating people um, come on, like Jeffrey Riddick, creator of Final Destination, uh, director Andy Fickman. um, former uh, creative director John Cry of New Market. Um, it's on and on and on. If you guys want to check out season one, you know where to find us on our page on Darkoya mm-hmm. or our Tisha's Facebook page or our Too Legit to QT Facebook page. You can check it out. But guys, we've kind of changed it up this season because we were getting so many great responses from you guys, and we really want to um, give you guys all your money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all your money's worth. So um, we want to, uh, we want about what to do when you get that opportunity. So being opportunity ready. So we have some great um, some great guests that are going to come on the show. They're going to drop some knowledge and give you some game as usual. But today is our entrepreneur segment and we are kicking it with entrepreneur Kenny Brown. Thank you and welcome, welcome, welcome thank you for coming on to the show. Um, Kenny is the owner of the Blue Lizard Bar and Grill in Charleston, South Carolina, and he also owns a slew of businesses that he'll um, get into with us and that he'll talk to us about. Um, so, Kenny, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me. So, Kenny, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, how you were able to start your first business? Because you have multiple, but how you were able to start your first business? <laughs> Hey, I, I, I'm gonna take a page out of um, out of um, Jay Z's book, Drug Dealers Anonymous. <laughs> he was like, he said, honestly, he said, um, it taught me how to take losses, and it, and it taught me how to accept change. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, is what in in a, in a nutshell, it told him how it it, it it was experience of life. You know, life is about like gives and takes, and it, it, it's no way you can just go through life and just take. So the whole, the first, first initial business, if, if I wanted to be funny, I'll tell you when I was in basic training, um, I used to sell candy bars at night. Like you couldn't, like all the fat boys, they wanted to eat and you couldn't eat. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you were strict to meals. You know what I'm saying? So you get three meals a day, morning, lunch, and then an evening, but it was never enough. So people would steal like crackers out of the, the mess hall or anything you can snack on late. So I'm a genius. 
I figure out shit um them motherfuckers like candy bars. And let me tell you, them boys, them boys doing that um people drink syrup now. Well, I used to sell Nyquil. You know what I'm saying? So I would go to the damn store because everybody on Fort Jackson's base looked the same. We all got on a uniform. The only thing different is the units that you're in, like they put all the basic trainees on one side, then they got like the people in um AIT, like tech school, they're on another side. And then you got the people that are stationed on the base that been on the base for a while. Once I figured that out, that was it. All I had to do was don't get caught out of my area. But there's so many of us, they don't know who's who unless somebody walk up to you and ask you what unit you in, but then they'll be able to tell how long you've been here. Once I figured that out, man, I was like, shit. I started taking a chance and walking to the store by myself. Come back with a couple candy bars. Candy bars might cost me 69 I think, whatever it costs in the store. I ain't never sold a candy bar for less than $2. Mm, I, don't oh sold a, I sold Snicker bars for $5 sometimes. You always had that hustle, huh? I always had the hustle. It was just a, yeah. it's a natural thing, man. And I was like, everybody wanted it. It was a dare. Really, don't dare Kenny. Because my <laughs> thing is, Jay-Z got another song. Jay, who was my dude? He said, the motivation for me is people telling me what I cannot be. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That right there was like, you dare me? I'm going to do it. How much you got up? So you were like, so you always had a fearless mentality. Very fearless mentality. I'm a Scorpio. Oh, you know what I'm saying, okay. Okay. yeah, I don't play. I'm, I'm like the epitome of Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio, Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Scorpio, Scorpio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hove got that bar. He said, "Hove talk that shit." He said, "Them dope boys said, Hove talk that shit." Cause I ain't gotta do that now. Now I got the, the them boys looking at me like, "Yo, Kenny, man, I like the way you." I like, "Yo, I'm you." I ain't no difference between you and I. Hold on, Kenny. I gotta, I gotta say this, guys. So first and foremost, we're from Charleston, so yeah. there was we got a precursor because Kenny, they don't know, they don't know. We gotta represent. We gotta okay, represent. okay, okay. They don't know them boys. We Gucci, we Gucci out yeah. here. Charleston. That's how we talk. I want to be fluent with you too. Now it don't make yeah, sense. For me they to, don't understand that. Like, I can't dress it up for you. Like, like yeah, I get can't, around. We can't. We gotta. We gotta be real. We gotta be. Yeah, real. I, I didn't want to. That's why I told her I needed time to prep. I, I needed time to prepare and get myself right because, you know, I don't want to come off too dry. You know, so I would have to have. You're not dry. You're not yeah. at all. At all. I, but yeah. I can be. You know, when I'm getting up, I'm a little. I'm a little groggy. You know, <laughs> I, I. I'm. I'm older now. I. I could jump up years ago and go. Now in this 48 year old frame, I gotta sit down on the end of the bed. I gotta go get me a cup of hot tea. You know, actually, gotta be. It's, everything's scripted now. It ain't the same. But yeah, that was the joke. That was the joker part. But the first business actually was was Platinum Cuts Barbershop. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in there right now 21 years. This is my 21st year mm -hmm. as a barber. I'm a barber. I'm an instructor. I um, the, the, I had this conversation with somebody. I shared a. a, a, a I shared a thought with him, and he was like, um, "Dan Kenny, I've seen you do a couple things, you know what I'm saying, and and you know you've done big things too." I said he named a couple people. I watched y'all come from a conversation, and then you took it to a reality. And mm -hmm. he said you did it twice, and I said, "Nah," I said I did it three times. I said because you were in prison during one one ride. I said that was with high ride, and he's like, "Well, um, yeah, yeah, I'll give you that." I said, "No, nah, you can take that one back." 
I said, but guess what? You remember that night you and my brother called me? And I said, y'all were looking for something to smoke. And and you was like, um, where you at? And I said, um, well, I'm over here on, on Rivers. And he's like, all right. So they came over there. And they walk in the building. And I was sitting on a bucket in the middle of the building. I, I, I was in there all day or all night for like four or five days. Nobody knew I was there. And I was tearing up the floors because I wanted to open the whole thing up so I could see what how I'm going to put everything. So I had a notebook in my hand. And I was drawing up the whole plan. And when they came in, they're like, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm going to put a barbershop in here. And they laughed at me. And I brought that conversation to him the other day. I said, you remember that day we was in that, I was on Rivers and y'all came over there that night? It was about 1230. And he said, yeah, we came in there. You had that raggedy floor. I said, what, what, what was the response? He said, man, me and DJ laughed at you and we left. I said, guess what? Now you owe me two because you laughed at me. And I'm 21 years later in that same fucking building. I said, so right. the, one, the one that you wanted to give me when you wasn't here and I gave it back, you got to give me two for laughing at me. And mm -hmm. I, I said, that's three times. I said, so this new venture is going to be my, and I can't say, <laughs> the new venture is going to be me stepping out on a franchise. Mm -hmm. And I have no clue why everything right now feels like it's time. And, and maybe some people might be like, you're doing it too soon. But I feel like if I don't take advantage of the opportunity, I'm not going to feel the same way later on. Mm. You know, well, I don't go speaking back. Speaking of opportunity, right? And speaking of opportunity, and you're saying <clears throat> right now for um, you you're saying stepping out on opportunity. How do you know or, or how have you in your past been opportunity ready when you have to jump into a, a new venture? How have you been able to um, to position yourself, to be ready? It's, yeah. It's weird. It's weird you ask that question. Funny thing, check this out. Like, I tell people all the time, I say, you know what? On the law, I'm a nerd, you know? I said, I was a smart guy in school. <laughs> like, very smart. Like, but I, I I never applied myself. You know, I'm, I'm easily, very easily distracted. That's mm. why... I have to take advantage of things when it comes to mind. Because if I don't do them, a lot of other things gonna come to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna never get back to that. So, the reason I'm prepared for opportunities is I take time, and this is a true story. It, it took a, a while for me to get it, but 21 years ago, my, my mom passed at 99. And I, I was, I was, I have then been in the military. I didn't went to tech school. I was working at IBM. And I remember when I was like, yo, man, I ain't never working for nobody else. And there was like, and, um, my, my, my fiance, my, 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 um, late, my ex-wife, me and her, she was like, oh, what you going to do? I said, man, I know one thing. I ain't never going to work for nobody else again. And I, and she's like, um, I said, man, I'm going to just get money. I said, that's it. I said, man, I sell clothes. <laughs> Statue of limitation allow me to go into detail. I was um <laughs> I was into the weed I was into the weed game back then and I just paid the child support I mean the um well child support. I paid uh rent and I paid everything in the house. I told her you just save money in case I fall short. So I would take myself and I have to eliminate everything away from me. Like I have to do that. I, I'm very easy distracted, so I have to seclude myself. Mm -hmm. I read, I get my mind to a place where it's almost 
not being distracted, and I'm joysticking my way to a, a, another thought, like, like, nah, I ain't gonna deal with that. It, it's gonna take too much, and it ain't the right time. And then I take this notebook, and I told that guy on the phone that um, it's not only this notebook. I got a lot of notebooks. Over time, I lose them and get another one. But I said, <laughs> I would, um, anytime I put something in this notebook, or any notebook, I bring it to life. I said, that night you see me on that bucket, I had a notebook in my hand. I said, before I had Blue Lizard, I had a notebook in my hand. Before I had High Rise, I had a notebook in my hand. I said, when I put it on paper, it comes to life. I came from a, I came a long, 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 long way. I know I'm that. Right. Hey, I'm going to share this with you because I had me and my wife sat up one night. We went to the mountains. And she, um, the, the, the movie came on, Leonardo DiCaprio was playing in it. Um, called The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Y'all ever seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Okay. Uh, I, that's a good thing. I'm going to tell you like this. When I was in the 11th grade, I was, um, like I told you, I was a smart guy. I used to do dumb shit. <laughs> but I, I took, in, a, in 11th grade, until the, instead of taking general English, I took advanced English 3 because all the girls went to that class. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen. Man. Hey, listen. Don't judge me now. She made me read The Great Gatsby. And I hated the book. And I didn't take it serious. And she was like, Kenny, if you don't take this grade serious, it's going to be 90% of your grade. And I'm like, one book? Man. In the book, um, the guy basically came from nothing. He was poor. Mm -hmm. But being that he was so poor, he was ashamed of being poor. I came from the same shit. I'm not saying that I'm driven by the book, but I told my wife, my story is a direct reflection of that story. Mm -hmm. I came from being poor. I live with my mom and I ain't taking nothing from my mom. I was in a conversation the other day and told her, dude, I can't tell you that I came from nothing because I won't even disrespect my mom like that. You know what I'm saying? I came from next to nothing. You know what I'm saying? But shit, she did her thing. I came up in the country. I had a hat on that say BH yesterday. I'm from a small town in McClendon called Buck Hall. Like Jeezy oh. said, I put on for my city. <laughs> but, but the, the, book, the book tells you that um, the struggles that he had was within himself. You know mm. what I'm saying? It, it, that's what I get at least. The struggle that he endured was with himself. One thing that we want to ask you in Dark Horse, you were asking about, because The Great Gatsby is a really good thing. And, and a lot of the things that you're talking about has a lot to do with mindset, right? We talked about yeah. that on the show, about being in the right mindset to position yourself for the opportunity. Because when you said that you went off to the retreat, you had to get in a place where your mind was ready to take the next opportunity. So that's the first thing that you did. And then yeah. you created a vision in your book. You say, you keep this, I keep this book with me every time I start something. So yeah. I think that's really, that's really something that viewers out here, listeners out here to listen to, because we talk about that a lot in the show about being ready mentally for your next opportunity and really laying it out um, what that's going to look like, because we have these ideas, but when you start writing it out, writing out all the things that you have to do, taking it step by step, then you can get the, a lot more things uh, accomplished. And we're going to talk about that more this season. But Darquay, yeah. you had a question about disparities. So I want you to ask him that. Oh, so that um, 
So when you were talking about your son and how, you know, a lot of African-Americans who who are very wealthy and affluent, they always have to teach their kids that like, you know, your money does not change the color of your skin. <laughs> we still yeah. have to go through certain things that our, mo our money, our money doesn't mask racism. It's not a shield for racism. Oh, yeah. And, um, and just even with you, you said you can be the dirtiest person in the club, but you own the club. However, somebody may treat you a certain type of way because you are African-American and you see that a lot in our community and whatnot. And so um, there's so much happening with like racial injustice and specifically a lot of people are talking about how to support black businesses and you have multiple businesses. And so um, have you seen any increase or changes in support? Have you seen as a black as a black business owner, like, have you, have you seen a change with this kind of like, you know, black lives matters movement and whatnot with like white people trying to take accountability of their privilege? <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I, um, I stand firm on one thing. I don't care who you are. And I was taught this when I was young and, um, uh, you know, like night now, you gotta not only include Black Lives Matter, you gotta include L LBGT, you gotta include everybody that um, uh, like marginalized groups. Yeah, yeah. Any marginalized group, and when I say that, um, I think everybody has a right to believe and do whatever you want. Right. <laughs> that's my that's my opinion on that. As far as the the um the response that I've gotten from most of the, and I deal with a lot of people by all races from the white uh, followers or white people that I'm affiliated with I get the same response from them that I've always got you know if, if a conversation I have not had a conversation specifically about anything Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I've been involved in moments where a comment was made at like a when you see a black person and y'all walking by each other and y'all nod your head like that, that 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 that's just like what's up? It's like, you know, you ain't saying hi, just so that you know everything good, you know, respect. You know, with with the with people that I deal with that's white, they I don't know, man. I can't say that they um I, I'm so me. I don't think a person crazy enough to even threaten my, my, I don't care. I just, I don't give off the response like it would be okay if you disrespect my culture, my race, my person. I, I, the response won't be physical, but it will be an abrupt stop to let you know that we can't go further than this conversation. Well, you know, have you seen but, an increase in support from? Yeah. Oh, um, I get a lot of, that's what I'm saying. It, it didn't change. It came the same. Only one time, and it shocked the devils out of me. I was like, oh, my goodness. I had to call my wife. I said, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I was in the bar. Now, it's, we got this covert thing going on. So what we do is we call last call at 1030, 1045. Hey, go ahead and get your drinks off because somebody's going to come around in about five, ten minutes and clear the table. There was a white lady in the bar, very supportive since the time we've been there. 
And I hate to even, I have to say it because you asked the question, and I'm going to be very honest. I have nothing against anybody. But when she came up to me, she's like, Kenny, they took my drink, and I was only on the floor dancing. And I was like, okay, I understand. I said, but it's already 11 o'clock, so nobody can have it. And she just didn't, the words that came out was not good. And I never heard that kind of response from her. And she made one comment. You don't know who you effing with. I'll get this place shut the fuck down. And I was like, and I looked at my security, and anytime I look at my security and walk away, that lets them know that the the, the sit is over. I, right now, you need to put that situation in a, in a container and remove it from the premises. And you have to call Berkeley County. That's my law. That's my rule. I I, I had nothing to say to her again. Mm. Like I'm that I I took it as a threat. I took it as a, something that. Like I say, people say things when alcohol get in them that they probably won't say in the in the in the in a in a normal day. And I took it as something that, you know, you feel like because you got a few friends that's of my color, you got the right when you want to to use different words. Like I don't I don't condone anybody saying, Hey my nigga, hey my nigga I, I don't condone it. But I, I do it a lot. But when I tell you that, I know you know me you know what i'm saying it ain't like i'm gonna just say it to anybody like i even when i talk to the young guys in the barbershop about pulling their pants up i, I talk like an adult a 48 49 year old man who's who's a grown-up and tell you how we can't accept that in the barbershop and they all abide by it they so come I, to the bar now just one second i just want to say this guys um so berkeley county is the county that we live in they have a lot of restrictions down here in south oh, carolina yeah. Um, and, um, they, they, it, it, they, they deal with a lot of racial issues down here in Berkeley County as well. So I think what Kenny is saying about, um, there's microaggressions, there's microaggressions that he has, um, encountered. And that was one of the situations where there was a microaggression where she was trying to imply something. So he's, he is getting a lot of support from um the the community from his yeah, own everybody on my street everybody yeah. on my street yeah. their own businesses like the tire shop they're white they come every yeah they used to come every day the um the um the ace hardware the the the, the daycare center across the street yeah. every business in my in my immediate area there's only one two three there's only four black three black businesses in my vicinity mm -hmm. everybody else is white and I get no negative response. Like I said, it's nothing direct. They they pretty much just give me the response like Kenny. You know, the, how's the bar going? You know, this or that. And I like it. My neighborhood, all my neighbors are white. They don't. Kenny, how like has, Kenny. So, so speaking of the community, how has um, your experience been with like managing all of these things that are happening in COVID, like as a business owner? Um, you talked a little bit earlier before we on the show. You talked a little bit earlier before we started about um kind of being a pioneer and creating this deck and all of these things because i know i'm in new york like we talked about earlier and there's like no space and nobody can eat inside so you have we a country people. you're in charleston we country people so i like i like to get out i was telling tit that actually the day she talked to me the first day i was on the deck and i was looking out there to see like okay let me see what i need to do to finish it up so I was just telling her a little bit about it. She's like, oh, I like the idea. I'm like, we country people. We like cookouts and shit. 
know what I'm saying? So for me to have that backyard with that deck, I feel like everybody will feel like they're on their back porch, you know, and having a good time, especially if you bring – my thing is to – anytime somebody wants to throw a birthday party and it's the weather permits, and I'm going to have heaters out there at night too. If you want to come out, have yours outside, you know, right. where you can really be comfortable. You know, people are like, Kenny, can I go and smoke a cigarette? Yeah, you go outside, come back in, you might not get back in. <laughs> you know? so, so Kenny, you mentioned that you were one. Um, you saw that you were one of the first businesses to have like an outside deck like that during COVID, um, and yeah. it really helped you drive your business, right? Oh yeah, I told I said, I said um, everybody else seemed like they slow and thought, man, but not me. I already know. I, I was just thinking, what would a person? that have something to lose do mm. now. Like, what would they do? I, I went home one day, I was like, Kanisha, they're only doing delivery carryout. Right. I said, I promise you, they're going to have somebody. I said, these people are not going to let this whole country shut down. Mm. The restaurants is one of the most essential places here because a, pe a lot of people got jobs and can't cook. Mm. So they have to go out to restaurants to survive, at least maybe four to five times a week. You know, all these nurses, doctors, you know, EMT, those people, the people that work at Boeing, uh, Mercedes, those are a lot of my clients. Volvo. I said, these people don't have the time to prepare meals. I used to work at IBM. Shit, I used to cook on Sundays, you know, and, and I had time to cook all during the week. But since I had my other life going on, by the time my wife used to get home from work, I used to be done left IBM, go home, cook dinner. By the time she get on work, dinner cook, and I'm out on the hustle. Now. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to clean that backyard up. And she's like, okay. Three weeks later, send her some pictures. And she's like, oh, man. I said, watch. People, are, they're going to let us eat out. Right after that, the email came through. Mm. Outside dining is permitted with um, right. half um, capacity on the inside. Mm. I said, I told you. That so you you've never been afraid to just like, it sounds to me like you're just an innovator. You know, a lot of people that uh, we talk to that watch the show, um, you know, they're creative, they're talented and they're innovative, but they don't always like trust their instinct and their intuition to actually like put action behind their idea. Like that's the place that, that a lot of people, um, are, are, are stuck at, you know, and we're, we're at a time right now where just so much stuff is happening. I mean, you've gone over just the list of like opportunities that right. are available right now, but some people, they're not even in the mindset to see that. And that's one of the things that we help people with on this show. So it's just, thank you con for confirming that because literally like everything that you, you have said about being in the mindset, mm -hmm. um, getting yourself focused to get in the mindset where you can actually put action behind your idea, not being afraid to actually hustle because you hustle. And then also now, you know, like trusting your intuition when you're a pioneer like yourself, nobody's going to confirm that little like hunch that you have, which is clean the deck off. You have to follow. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to tell you like this. That, uh, and, and, this right here has to be what I, I have to tell you this. Robert Kiyosaki said, and yes! this right for that, don't let your fear lose and take over your will to win. Mm. Come on. 
Robert Kiyosaki. You, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like me, hey, when I told everybody about the idea about this new thing, it, it's so funny because the people that know me the most was like, I could see that happening. I said, I'm going to be a franchise in a minute, bro. Mm. I said, the yeah. only person going to make it happen is me. I said, I, I, I cooked the first meal in Blue Lizard. I cooked the first meal in High Rise. I'm going to cook the first meal in this new Blue Lizard, too. Mm. I and said, can, but you give a little works, can you, you give a little bit of context for High Rise? Because a lot of people don't know what High Rise was. Could you? Uh, yeah. Let me tell you something. Um, <laughs> back in like 2001, I came up with this idea about a bar, but it didn't happen. And then in 2007, I came up with another idea. Well, the devil came in the middle when how it started, it, it ended in about 45 days. And then I had to take like four months off. So it didn't really kick off to 2008. I'll tell you this much. Anybody from Charleston, if you'd be like, yo, name the top three um, bars or clubs that Charleston ever had. I promise you. Like Beyonce, um, Beyonce say, I'm on the list with two people and I ain't number two. <laughs> Hell nah, I ain't number two. And I promise you, if they don't say high rise, they kidding themselves. Oh, only right. I got it's a club. It's a club. It, yeah, let me tell you like this. Um, a dude asked me one day, he said, Kenny, who do you think your biggest competition? I said, I ain't got none. And he's like, not even so-and-so and so-and-so? I said, nah, bro. I said, the more, you, the more you view somebody as your competition, you admiring them too much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You're doing too much watching. Oh. I'm going to make you watch me. <laughs> I'm my only competition. And, and that's not down in nobody else, but I just don't focus on somebody else's defense. Mm -hmm. I just focus on my offense. Mm -hmm. well, I heard a quote one time that said that, like, hey, I love quotes now, so you give me well, something. Okay, let can you know know let's get into this because, um, so let me tell you this, and then I want to circle back to this other thing I was thinking about, which is, uh, there was a there's a quote that says that real, um, real innovators they they don't compete they collaborate so there is yeah. no competition because you're in no. competition with yourself but if like if you're stuck and saying oh well i'm competing with him or her you for you you miss out on the opportunity to collaborate with them because then they become like your your colleagues you know you're in business with this person this person has the the hookup on like the bread or the drinks yeah. or whatever you know and you guys yeah. Uh, collaborate together, but also you brought up Robert Kiyosaki. Tish knows. Mm -hmm. Like my entrepreneurship journey started like you with books, you know, because I, I never really viewed myself as an entrepreneur. I was like, no, no. And I really had to get my mindset right. And Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, all of those, you know, um, As a Man Thinketh, uh, Think and Grow oh, yeah. Rich, Napoleon Hill, those are my books. Oh, yeah. I'm curious to know, because you, you said you were a nerd, what are, what's your like top the top five books that you read that you feel like really kind of was a catalyst for like developing that, like that entrepreneur mindset. Okay. I'm going to tell you like this on the top of the list got to be uh, Robert Greene, 48 laws of power. Yes. That's, that's yes. Number one. I can't even tell you that. I won't even, I told my boy in Texas when he gave me the book, the first day I went home and started reading it, I called him. I said, my dude, you gave me my damn sword. 
And, I, and when I, anytime I say, yo, anybody seen my sword? They know I'm talking about my damn 48 Lyles Power Book. All right? Uh, um, Nathaniel McWether, um, Losing the Race, The Self-Sabotage in Black America. Mm. You got to read that one. Me and an old guy, me and an older guy, he died now, but he used to be my, he never did my, actually, he never did my damn taxes. I went there for him to do it, but we never got to that point. He had a library downstairs in his room. I mean, it, 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 he's from my neighborhood. So when people in the neighborhood told me when I was opening my corner store back in the day, it was like, yo, go to him. He do your taxes. So I go down there and we never, he had books. So he, I'm just walking around there. He's like, pick anyone you want. So that one book, we would compete every time I come there. And I bring up something about, or he might bring it up about, well, what is Nathaniel getting to in the book? And we would compete about what I thought he meant and what he thought he meant. He ended up dying before I came to the conclusion, but Nathaniel McWerther, you got to put that on the list. Okay. You have to put, you have to put, um, uh, what's the name of this book? It's called, um, oh, I got to call my little partner. I gave it to him to read. Let me go to another one. Another book you got to read is, the first book I ever bought on my own after high school, when I, I was in Germany, I bought the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm. It, it taught, what I got out of that book was trying to find out who I was. Mm. No matter who I was, I wanted to figure out, like, what was his mind state to allow him to be so rat, uh, old, you know, so, so confident. I want to know why he was so fucking, he took a lot of risks back in the day, man. Like yeah. in that day, like to become that guy, like shit, the people on your team would want to kill you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and, and I read that uh, years later, I made that, but I had to get that book. What I named three so far? Yeah, that's three. Uh, yeah, another, one, another one you have to get is the audacity of hope by... Barack Obama. Oh, wow. Audacity of Listen to me. Okay. Listen, I don't care what nobody's opinion on the guy is. I think he knew from day one that he was going to be the president. Mm. When you go in the book in the beginning of it, he started like breaking down the, the room where all the senators go, you know, saying when they pass bills and he'll tell you, he broke the room down. He'll tell you how certain people doodle on the on the bench and you know they guys over there they really not paying attention they doing this it was like in my eyes if it was me writing the book i would have been telling you subliminally like he's not a threat to me because he's so focused on that mm -hmm. him i ain't worried about him he knows his thumb screws girls he was basically naming people's thumb screws and their weaknesses and their <laughs> um, and everything as well, I got out of it now. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I like the book. I tell anybody to read that book. And this last book is called What the Hell is the Book Called? I'm going to call it. Give me two minutes. One second. <laughs> this is a very, I'm going to tell you how the book is, then I'm going to give you the title. In the book, um, he went to prison when he was younger. You know, but when he started, he lived in uh, Free, Free, Freeport, Virginia. Is that Freeport oh. or 
whatever. He lived in Virginia, so he ended up growing up something like a Dave Chappelle. You poor, but you go to school with like rich kids. You know what I'm saying? So he was like that, all across the tracks type deal. So growing up, having fun and being who you are, they break into a house or get in some trouble in a white neighborhood and they all, all his friends went to prison. So when they went to prison, he realized that going to prison was what changed his life because he was talking about how his friends, and it's, it got something to do with identity, but and oh, while okay. he was in Eric prison, Thomas? Eric Thomas's book? No, it wasn't Eric Thomas. It's, I'm going I'm to tell you exactly who it is. I can't go forward until I tell you who it is because the book is very important because you got to find your identity, man. You got to know who you are. Under any condition, will you fold? His, his friends, one of them turned into a, one, one of them turned out gay. And he was saying that when he got to prison, he would let people say things to him. And he won't say anything back. And he's like, one day a guy pat him on the ass and said a comment. He said, if he had only said something, that would have never went on. Took about a little while later, he was a homosexual. Another one of his friends, he realized, he thought they were his friends. But he was like, like, damn, I didn't know he was such a weak person. Like, now you get up in prison, now you joining this gang. You come up in prison, you turn into this. And he's like, wait a minute, man. Like, everybody so I come this, here with... All this, is, all this is his experiences while he was in prison, right? That you're in saying? prison. Okay. And all of it, it, told, it just told... I'm going to get the title for that book. When you let when you remember, just um, you, you remember that book you gave me? I gave you the reading of the that tan um, book. He's, he's, getting book right right now. he's getting the book, he's serious. Hey, I'm getting the book, I'm gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what it is is I, it, it, I use that so, book for example. You're gonna, gonna put this out there for the viewers, guys. This book. You got to get this book because Kenny is, he is, he is uh-huh. hey, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do is when I left it by the barbershop. When I go by there today, I'm going to end up texting it to Tish because I'm only down the street from there. But, and we'll put it in the comments for you guys. Hey, I'm going to tell you what it is. He texted to me. It's called Make Me Want to Holler. Make Me Want to Holler. Want to Holler. Oh. Yeah, it's by, um, the, the, uh, what's his name? Nathaniel. So, okay. Google it. Well, you talked about purpose and identity. Um, and I think that that's really powerful because if you don't know who you are, then you don't know where you're going. And so, um, Kenny, what motivates you? You've kind of touched on it a little bit um, earlier, but like you have all these businesses, um, you know, what, but your, your, your business and your job is not necessarily your purpose. What do you think that your purpose, well, you know, well, what is your purpose? And, um, and like what things motivate you and inspires you and kind of is the overall arc of everything that you do, which are all of these businesses and the impact that you have within the community? Okay, um, I like that question. I ain't gonna lie, I like that question. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give you. It's almost like I, I could tell you something about everything instead of giving you an answer. I'm gonna tell you the reason, and then you you'll understand where I'm coming from. Like all my life, I came from, I came from a country a country town, man, like small. So being who I was growing up, 
with my mom and five of us. You know what I'm saying? It, it was like, I remember when Hurricane Hugo came, and it was like during the times when people were more together. We helped each other, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, when, and when we helped each other, when people, people used to help my mom, you know, we just had this life. And then, like, I remember when Hugo came, everybody started thinking for self. Mm-hmm. And I told my mom, you know, like, I'm going to go get a job at that school and volunteer and see what else we can get. Because, you know, we had to get clothes, food. So I would go in there and hustle up food and bring some home. But it was a lot of other people in the neighborhood that didn't have it, that didn't have the resources. And I'm like, yo, I got some water. You know what I'm saying? So I take water to everybody. <laughs> so I'm like, shit. Ain't no need for me to have it. Because my mom was always like that. She could, hey, I, I, I'm going to share this with you, but not everybody knows this. My mom used to call me Poppy. She's like, Poppy, you can't have stuff and then have people who need it and you let them suffer. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. So she taught me how to share. I told my wife this, my, my second wife, I, years ago, we divorced, but I told her, I said, you want to make enough money to live. I said, I want to make enough money to give. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to live on the world by myself. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I want to give people jobs. And I went to ch- I went to a church with a girl one time. I was I was in my day. Statue of limitations. Allow me to go into detail. <laughs> well, she she came over one night and she was the next morning she was getting dressed. And she I'm like, man, what are you so dressed up for? She said, I'm going to church. She said, Why? You want to go to church with me? I'm like, sure. So she thinking I'm some I don't know what she's thinking I am. I go to church with her. When we get in there, I was like, who's the pastor of this church? She told me it's a dude called Randolph Miller. I was like, "Word, Randolph Miller is a, a um, like a, a a Negro spiritual type pastor." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when I was a little boy, my mom used to watch him all the time on TV. He was always brought. My mom used to watch this dude like crazy. So I'm like, "Randolph Miller's the pastor." I'm a lot of this. I can't wait till after so I can meet him. So we um we go through the whole sermon, and in the sermon he said, "God put people out here." for a reason and everybody has a purpose Mm. he said if god put you out here and your purpose is to be great be great he gave and he he depicted to a a, a umbrella he said if you got a small umbrella you need to carry that umbrella he's with some of y'all out here got big umbrellas everything under your umbrella you're responsible for Mm. if you do god a disservice and not take care of the people and the and the stuff under your umbrella, God's going to take those things away and give it to somebody else to take care of because you're not worthy of it. Mm. I, he ain't taking nothing away from me. <laughs> like, I, I'm a, I'm a be who I'm supposed to be. So, listen, I don't have no problem giving people when they don't have. I have no that problem That's what motivates that. you. Helping, helping people is what motivates you. What motivates you. me is yeah. I got people working. That motivates me. Okay. Once I see them working, I'm like, I, I put you in a box. I let you know, tell me, does it make any sense to go back to who you was or to be here? Like Jay-Z said, would you rather old rich me or new you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a you Jay-Z know, fan Kenny, now. <laughs> you know, Kenny, um, I'm just listening to everything that you're saying. And I think that you're right. What you're What you're describing is stewardship. And I think sometimes, at least even me, I forget that, that that umbrella that that preacher is talking about and you helping people and giving people jobs, that's stewardship. Like 
God gives us dominion here on earth. And then everything that he puts within our reach, we're supposed to be good stewards, which means to maintain, to uh, help grow so mm-hmm. that we can thrive. You know, um, he put Adam and Eve, you know, Eve to work. Like they had to work in the garden. Yeah. You know, me and my brother, I got a, I got a, I got a partner that live in Atlanta. We're not like biological brothers. We're not, we're just, I started out, his, his sister used to be my girlfriend. And he, he I met him, he was like six, eight years old. So we've, been brothers. we've been brothers ever since. I treat him like my brother. I call him my brother. And I said, me and him got this saying that we say, no matter what's going on, when he was going through divorce, I was going through divorce, this happened, that happened. We got this thing and we say to each other, everything happened is supposed to happen. Mm, right. Can't even go against it. It's what you do now. Mm. What are you going to do right now? The measure of a man is not when he's at his best and when things are going good. The measure of a man is what he does when things are not going so good. Mm-hmm. That's Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Mm. Come on. Come on. Listen, with I'm, Kenny. Come I'm a portable. <laughs> I'm portable. <laughs> I love quotes too. Well, Kenny, so what? Okay. Imagine, which you, which we all are innovators. Um, imagine we're we're in a world. There's no restrictions. There's no limitation. Everything's limitless. What is your ultimate dream? <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you like this. The reason why I want things like I'm so highly uh, involved. I'm real technical. Like when I go to a place, I want to be comfortable, man. I told my son that. I said, see, you're young. You want to get in VIP. You want everybody to see you. I said, son, when you come in VIP at my age, you don't want nobody to see what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be in VIP. It's very important people over there. They want to come into a side door. They want to do things that nobody else can do. And they want to experience everything that makes them comfortable. They don't want to ask for anything. Their staff and mentioned know what they like, what they require. And, and that's mm-hmm. what I tell my bartenders. Once a person come to you and they ask for something different, that should never leave your mind. That I, I had a bartender. She's like one of my best ones. She remember people by different things. She'll be like, oh, I call him Double Hennessy or something. Every time he come, he call, he come two shots of Hennessy. She might know his name, but it, it allows her to remember how to survey a bar. Like I was like, damn. Man, my first time watching a, a, a girl in Atlanta serve drinks, I said, man, that damn girl made 35 drinks in 30 minutes. That shit, 12 hours a piece. I want to hire that girl, boy. <laughs> that girl get it. So, but, you so, know, it's, so it's for, this, um, for you, Kenny, is it is it something to where you're, you just want to be comfortable? Your ultimate dream is to yeah, have... I just want to be comfortable, man. Yeah. It ain't not about being rich uh, or being um wealthy. It's, it's about... When I feel like it, like I remember when my daughter, I used to work at IBM, and I walk into my um, manager's office, and I was like, Dave, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go to Texas because my daughter's, she's, my daughter was three at the time, my oldest daughter, firstborn. He's like, um, I said she's having an operation, a hernia operation. You know what I'm saying? I said I can't miss that. He said, Well, you got to put in a leave, a pass. I said, Dave, they called me today and told me that she's gonna have to have an emergency surgery tomorrow. I said, I can't even tell you that my flight leave in the morning. You know, I didn't come to ask. And mm-hmm. I told, and he was like, well, 
Kenny, if you leave without a pass, I'm not sure that they're going to let you come back. I said, okay. And the, the man looked at me strange, and I was like, sir, I'm not missing that. That's, I'm just letting you know that. So when I made my mind up to not work for nobody else, I don't want no limitations on nothing I do. When I feel like going to Florida, I want to get in my car and just go. The first time I did it, when my mom passed. Yeah, I jump in my car one time, end up in Texas. Like, I don't care about all that. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want nobody to tell me no. So you, you, you want to know what? One of the things that we're going to talk about this season, which is really um, interesting that you're talking about, is what are your core values? And what it sounds like, mm-hmm. your ultimate vision aligns with the amount of freedom that you want. You don't want to be restricted yeah. and you don't want anybody telling you how you're going to live your life, what money that you're going to make, how you're going to go visit your daughter and how you're going to retire. And I think that's something to think about viewers out there when it comes to your vision, right? How does your your core belief, right? Your core values, the thing that you value the most align with how you are working on your business and how you are working on your career? Because that's what drives you. A lot of the times your core values, whatever that is, drives you. Whether it is whether it is freedom or independence or whether it is um, you want collaboration or love, whatever your core value is, that's the thing that'll that'll keep you um, pushing forward. So I'm really yeah. I'm really glad that you said that. So we're 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 coming to the end of the podcast. So I really want to ask you this question because it we got some really great news with Kenny, um, and we want to kind of talk about it. So Kenny, guys is going to be our sponsor for the season. And um, uh, one thing that I do want to ask you, because I know that you sponsor, you actually sponsor a lot of things. um, And and we'll talk about that shortly. But what is it that really attracts you to sponsoring people or brands or whatever? If you can kind of get into that, like what is the thing that really stands out for you? All right. And when I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, when you say something about my core values, one of my, the top of the list is self-respect. And, mm. and, and the 48 laws of power, he said, um, act like a king and demand to be treated like one. Mm. Mm. So basically that's self. Like I ain't going to disrespect nobody else, but you ain't going to definitely ain't going to disrespect me. Mm. You know, and then it's family. Like I, I'm a family guy, but I have a strong hand on that. Because family sometimes get beside they so. And I will I will fire anybody. I don't care who you are. <laughs> so just know that. But um back to what you were saying. Say, get me back on point because I went off. What were you saying again? I was saying like it's for um you're sponsoring, you know, now I'm, oh, yeah, I'm good. I know and- you're talking about as far as the sponsorship, what drives me is I just like to see somebody else's dream come true. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know how it feels to accomplish something. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, a, and a quote that um Farrakhan said, he said, when you reach a destination or a journey or a destination or a goal, it's like, it's like sex. It's like a climax. All you want to do is do it again. 
Well, you know why, but you know why, Kenny, because they talk about that in Think and Grow Rich, how our desire to be successful is directly related to our sex drive. And that's why people get it confused. They think that that's really what they need to be fulfilled, but it's really um, ambition and the desire to uh, be important and to make an impact. That's like ambition, but the two are, are interconnected and related. But yeah, we won't yeah. get into that. But listen, Kenny, I know that some people, some businesses or people probably come up to you and are like, hey, can you sponsor me? What's the difference between like a person or a business that you will sponsor and one that you won't? Because people want to know like, how do I attract? Um, that's a hard, it's a, that's hard because <laughs> Most of it'll be people you know that come around and want you to sponsor them. And and I'm not saying I don't sponsor people I know. I do sponsor people I know, but I do it on the low because I don't want to start a, a, a um, I don't want to start a GoFundMe forever. You know, it's like yeah. I I do the like Jay Z said this. He said um the best way to give is anonymous to anonymous. Mm-hmm. You know, I might put it in Tish's hand and be like, hey, Tish. Make sure they get that. You know what I'm saying? And I let that be that. <laughs> and I, I just want to know from Tish how it worked out. Did they, did they, everything work out for them? Is, is, is there a criteria though? Is there, do you have a specific criteria that you- I, I do, I do in some ways. It ain't written like it used to be. I used to be a part, I have a, a nonprofit that's inactive right now. Mm-hmm. I used to be a non, my dad had a nonprofit called uh, Trust and Faith Ministry. And um, we had bylaws that, you know, kept us strict, but it gave us some free way too. So I remember we gave money to a family from my neighborhood, not my neighbor, but this, uh, a, 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 um, a neighbor, na- uh, the next neighborhood over, somebody, their house burned down. And I went over there and I remember when I gave the lady the check and she's like, what's this for? I said, well, I heard your house burned down. So I just brought the check, you know, just to contribute something to you, you know? I said, I gotta, I'm involved with a nonprofit and anybody, if they if, if I hear news that people's not something not going right, I just try to get over to the family, look around for myself and assess the situation. And I'm gonna get emotional with it because I hate to see people sad like that. Especially <laughs> if it's just that. You know what I'm saying? Like what I'm doing today, I'm gonna keep that off record because that's it's a bad situation. But I'm I just go over there and put something on the floor and leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't care if I drop it in the, in the driveway. But I will say, Kenny, that, you know, and I, I, what I what I feel is that you do have a very, um, you know, you do have a very, um, you know, giving and wonderful spirit. But I know on the business end, you know, we got to put the logo up, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's there's still something that when you look at people and maybe it's just a mindset thing, because you talk a lot about about mindset. And I feel like even when we met. It was just really like kind of like a it was kind of like a cohesiveness, right? It was kind of like a click yeah. and a connection. So I feel that, you know, based on my experience with you, there's there's some sort of kind of connection that you you have to have with people when you're talking to them and they're coming to you with sponsorship that aligns with the things that
because I can smell this shit in my pocket. Mm. And I, it was a shotgun in between him and I, his. And I'm sitting there thinking, if I get out this damn car, God, just like you know them nights you drunk, you're like, God, if I get through the night, I ain't never gonna drink again. I said that. God, you get me out this car, I promise you I'll make better decisions. But I was just about to say that, Kenny. I mean, you clearly have a covering over your life. You're clearly a very special person. And you gotta know that. That's, and I'm glad you, you have to know that no matter what your journey is, it's not gonna be a dry day every day. It's gonna rain, it's gonna be cold, you ain't gonna make money. That's how that shit works. Yeah. I tell everybody that's the balance of the universe. Up, down, left, right, in, out. You know what I'm saying? Wet, dry, cold, hot. Everything has a, a opposite end to it. One end of the ruler ain't the same as the other. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? One say one, one say 12. Like, shit. You, you just got to understand that everything has a place. Mm -hmm. And let every... They ask Jay-Z, how do you exist in a society where egos seem to rule and dominate? He said, I just allow egos to exist in its own space. Mm -hmm. He said, because if I allow my ego to match this person's ego, the ego's going... Let me and the other person, individual body, let us know that something has to happen. Mm. And he said, I ain't dumb enough to lose all the money I made off of my ego. Mm. I told my son, I want you to get in your car. He's like, I want to be the manager here. I said, first, I want you to get in your car like I did when I was your age. Drive somewhere far. Get drunk, go out, have a good time. Wake up in the morning and slip out that hotel room and leave your ego in there. Cause that mm. motherfucker can't go with you nowhere. Everywhere he go with you, everywhere you take him with you, he gonna deter every meeting, every conversation. He gonna throw it away. He gonna mess it up because you ain't gonna want nobody to talk to you this way. Mm. No, man, sometimes let them talk. You'll listen more. My mom said you got two ears and one mouth. Let them person talk. If they disrespecting you, have the dignity and the boldness to stand there and listen. As soon as you finish, be like, and if you had enough to say, hey, check this out. I got to go. I said, that'll make the person feel so small. But you in control the whole time. There you go, Kenny. It ain't easy being out here, man. And I love people. And like, I just had to share that story with the cop to, to make me make people understand. That I don't care where you come from, bro. It's, everything starts with a thought. You know, it, 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 it's supposed to be 2021. I'm not sure yet, but humble beginnings. Remember that title. <laughs> there we go. Humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. Kicking it with Kenny Brown. Awesome. So, guys, we are coming to the end of the podcast. Um, oh, my gosh, Kenny. <laughs> so good. It aligns with the entrepreneur experience. It aligns with a lot of the things that we have been talking about for um, for the first season and we're going to be talking about in the second season about being opportunity ready. And quite frankly, it was just the right time and right place. And we have the right opportunity for Kenny. So therefore, we got a sponsor. So whoop, big up uh, with Tish and um and with Koya and Tish, um, and we we have some really great stuff for you guys this season. We lost Kenny because <laughs> uh, some technical difficulties, but um, but we are we are really really excited about um, about him being our sponsor this this season um, and to have told his story. 
and to, um, you know, and to give you guys some insight behind his mindset and getting into business and also why he is sponsoring with us. And we're going to get more into sponsorship, branding, all of those things this season, um, being opportunity ready, opportunities coming when you are already prepping and creating your own opportunity, putting it out there. So we're going to really dive into that this season. Yeah. And thank you guys for watching. Thank you to Kenny, even though he's not on here anymore, for his vulnerability and speaking his truth and just really his transparent, his transparency. Um, he was very real and open and honest. And I mean, he kind of talked about a few of his businesses, but guys, he's a very, very, very successful person, um, self-made. And um, I mean, if we could be in business um, and have the longevity that he has to weather any economic hardships. I mean, you have some businesses that they're not even around right now because of COVID and because of the quarantine. So um, the stuff that he really, the gems that he dropped here today, um, just take it, run with it. Uh, he reminds me a lot, like his mentality of my dad. Like I was yeah. like, you know, my dad is like yeah. the ultimate hustler. And I was like, see, like people don't understand. Like, is, is that raw? Like just mm -hmm. get you open, honest, and real. That's the stuff, guys, that like we read books. We, you know, we know the numbers. You know, you 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 you're working in your industry and you're 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 clean cut and you're just okay, this is what I need to be. But let me tell you, everything when I'm when I've been down at my worst, everything just goes back to something my daddy taught me. Like literally, my dad is an entrepreneur, was an entrepreneur my whole life. And, um, you know, he's a landscaper, had a landscaping business. And, and also he has a food truck and catering business, just kind of a little bit like Kenny. But it just like when I'm down and out, it's just that raw, vulnerable truth that motivates me to get back up again. And so Kenny, he really just gave it to you. Listen to this podcast if you need a little bit of motivation and inspiration, because a lot of the stuff that he said, those are mantras and things that I kind of repeat to myself when I'm in the Valley. So I'm just so grateful that we were able to um, talk to him today. And also, um, one thing to keep in mind, guys, is that it doesn't matter, like what Kenny said, it doesn't matter what your life experience is, mm -hmm. that, you know, he put himself in the mindset to get things done. So don't think anything that you've experienced in your life can limit your next opportunity or limit you from getting your ultimate dream or vision. So if you're out there and you feel like, man, you know, everybody tells me this, like he said, that person said, oh, you'll never have that shop. No, if you have the mindset and you have the vision, you know, if you put yourself in a place to get it done and then you create the vision to get it done, you can get it done. You can get it done. So don't don't um, allow other people, first and foremost, to, allow, to say that whatever dream that you have, whether it is to be that ultimate artist or whether it is to help people or whether it is to get your business together so that you one, one day, too, can be like Kenny and just be comfortable. Like Kenny <laughs> um, when I grow up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, whatever that is, don't don't um, feel that you can't achieve it because you can. So. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, season two popping off. We are so excited about it. And uh, we have a lot of great things coming for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys again. And we'll see you next week, Thursday. Same time, 
same places. Thank you guys. Bye.